Welcome to another episode of the Star Bros Podcast, a very special episode, an episode where we're going to make up for some lost time because I had COVID again, I think. Dope. And we missed a couple of things. We missed talking about Life Day, and we missed yeah. talking about my bro host, Ben Skywalker's birthday. So happy belated birthday, buddy. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you already said thank you by taking me to Comic-Con last month, so I appreciate that. Um, but for some of our listeners, you can't really see it, actually. I'll, I'll pull it down at some point, you know, maybe show you later. But my gift for my birthday is right there. I'm trying to follow my finger up to the top shelf. A little bit it tough to is, see. Uh, the Black Series Darth Vader helmet, and I have uh, sufficiently scared my three-year-old with it. So it is doing its job. Um, but but I wore it for long enough yesterday that he is like not even phased by it anymore. He's so accustomed I, I to it now. Him at the beginning, and, uh, and and you know got that over with. But um, thank you very much. It's uh, glad I'm glad to have another year be here book and be here i don't know still <laughs> at this at this point i'm like not counting anymore <laughs> yeah i think that's fine um by the way your your wife sent me some candid pictures of you sitting on in, in like your armchair <laughs> yes. wearing your black series darth vader helmet just sort of scrolling on your phone just I enjoy probably like an hour yesterday just to like I, I, just to like get used to it just to like get some play out of it you know it you look fun. totally comfortable in it you looked like it, it looks very natural so it, i think the next step is driving <laughs> and then taking it out on errands maybe don't wear it when you're driving but like the if you're in the grocery store there's a bit of a problem with it i'll, yeah. I'll say that so I, I take that back i take that back but like it's even me, worse with the storm trooper, storm trooper helmet which you can yeah. see right below it no wonder they can't hit anything like it's no impossible wonder. to see out of that gosh we should give them a little bit of slack you know yeah Anyway, and same thing with um, like I thought it was funny when we were at Comic Con and you see all the people who are cosplaying as Mandalorians and they keep yeah. kind of like they're looking down and and like trying to get their bearings because you can't see you can't really see out of like Boba Fett's helmet. No, no, not at all. It's it's not like uh, I don't think that was really made for the visual aspect of it to like be practical. It was made to look really cool on the outside on a camera. For you know what? Big audience to see on a silver screen. You know what? <laughs> it looks really cool. It does look really cool, especially so that works. blinged out one that we saw at, at Comic Con. You know? Oh yeah, the one that was it, the best. Just covered like in sparkly crystals. Very cool look. Yeah. But how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I uh, I'm excited to talk about some Andor because I've got this like pent up energy. These have been some amazing episodes that we've gotten, and, and we've got a lot to catch up on. So you know what, bro? Um, I'm doing well. Thank you. I think I think it's like the best show on TV. Yeah. And if you Not, uh, read anything that came out from Gilroy and in the interviews that he's been doing recently, they pushed back the start date. Remember that? They were supposed to come mm -hmm. out in August. They pushed mm -hmm. back to September. And then they gave us, what was it? It was two at a time, three at once? Right? I think it was three at once. Yeah. yeah people, were, people were annoyed that it started slow because that's yeah. helpful for you. That's that's people. Um, but the reason why they did that was because of all the competition that it was facing with... Uh, uh, the, the House of Dragon and yep. uh, what was that other one? The oh, the Lord of the Rings one, um, Rings of Power that was mm -hmm. out at the exact same time. There was just a lot of competition, so they decided, you know what, let's let's just wait, delay it a little bit, and then you know try to capture them and be like one of the only things on TV. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good strategy. I think that that's uh, helped to make sure that it gets the views and gets the uh, attention that it deserves. Yep. Yep. So 
um anyway we're like jumping into the news and we're we're just not even through the how are you parts yet <laughs> but we can go there we can go to the news if you'd well, like well, first how are you how are you uh, i'm doing well i i am i would say 95 percent recovered from oh, great my thank you my second bout of corona i think it was coronavirus i don't know yeah. because the test kept coming back negative as i told you but yeah. um it it really seemed like it <laughs> uh but just powered through, didn't miss any work or anything like that, and then kind of collapsed over the weekend, recharged, and feeling pretty good now. Good. And now I'm really excited because we're going into Thanksgiving week. Yes, we are. So th this is this is a wonderful month. We have your birthday, we have Life Day, and then we yep. have Thanksgiving. And going into Thanksgiving, we have the finale of this season of Andor. So lot, lots to enjoy and be excited about. And uh, yeah, fe feel, As feeling pretty good. As we like to say, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. It really is. It, yeah. We're really spoiled. And uh, I'm not taking it for granted because I remember the lean years where there wasn't a whole lot going on. So <laughs> I'm happy to take this. But, um, but yeah, man, doing good. Just sort of like completely in shock of how cold it is in this area. Gosh, and yes. I, I feel bad saying that because I just saw something on uh, on the news about all the snow that they've been getting in Buffalo. Oh, and Yeah. Yes, I think they got over five feet. Eh. And <laughs> I saw something where the there were there were people volunteering to dig out members of the Buffalo Bills football team so that they could get to the stadium to play their game on Sunday. <laughs> Priorities, guys. Yes. You gotta be able to play football no matter what. So people were lending so many a year. Like all like all their all their manpower and all their equipment and whatever that they had to get these these uh i was about to say poor guys to the stadium but that's not the case is it um definitely not poor no guys um, yes <laughs> they yep but yeah it's just been like blistering cold here and that that's we, I, we, we were passing um i think we passed a meme back and forth uh, a few weeks ago where uh you know in pennsylvania you get this two weeks of the year where you're not sweating or not freezing and boy those went by quickly this year because we just jumped right into freezing yeah, we did. Yes. And, and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those that likes winter and I'm weird like that. I do too. It's, yeah. It's just like, I, I like, I like how it looks through the window. That too. And I like a reason to just stay inside, yes. I guess. But no, there's a lot of other reasons, but, um, but even I'm like, this is cold guys. So, and, and it's like right around the time that we're supposed to have people visiting for Thanksgiving and stuff. Yep. So you're like, oh man, I hope that I can keep you guys warm and stuff while you're here. But anyway, Let's let's move on though. What are you from... making for Thanksgiving? Tip yip again? Tip yip every year. Yeah. <laughs> the old family recipe. <laughs> some some of us in in uh, other dialects call it turkey, but mm -hmm. I like to just call it tip yip. By the way, did you watch the um Lego holiday special or are you saving that? I think I already asked you this. I'm I'm saving that. I didn't get the chance to watch it. It's been it's been busy in the uh yeah. uh in our household. Uh, I almost said the Skywalker household, but Never you can mind. say that. <laughs> it's not. It just sounds. Isn't that what it says anyway. in your mailbox? Skywalker family. Maybe. 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 Shall, um, shall we get to the news? Let's get to the news. Yeah. And that segment is. Well, I mean, we've already said it many times. It's called news from across the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I missed this. I, I've, uh, I've already mentioned a couple of big pieces of news. So happy yes. belated life day. I saw a lot yeah. of really great life, life day stuff on on Twitter, which by the way, who knows if we're still going to be on that in a few months time, we're starting <laughs> to explore our options. Like I think a lot of people are, but just in um, case. 
yeah, just in case. But it it's nice how much cool Life Day media is out there. And actually, I just wanted to tell a story very quickly about Life Day okay. and about our visit to Comic-Con. And when we were waiting in line to be able to get autographs of all the different High Republic authors, we were in front of a nice dude that we met who we learned his name was Mike. Mm-hmm. And we got to chatting with him about all of his endeavors to get autographs and he had a bunch of great stories and like he, he had a t-shirt i think that he was going around trying to get as many star wars actors as he could to sign the t-shirt and it sounded like he'd gotten a bunch of them already which is super super cool um but i had i had the life day treasury to sign and i ended up getting george mann and kevin scott to sign it and i tweeted some pictures of that if you want to see how that turned out it's really cool very nice dudes but we got to talking about Life Day, and I think you had a Life Day comic book to sign. Is that right? I did, yes. Yeah. And so he told us the story about when he met Carrie Fisher at New York Comic Con and got her autograph, and she sang the Life Day song to him. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, yeah. That was. I, mean, I remember him telling us the story. Yeah, I mean that that was a mind blowing story. Like I I can't imagine how cool an experience that must have been to be able to. And and he just said that she was totally lovely. Um. But Mike, if you're listening, thank you for sharing that story. It definitely had a little bit of Life Day magic to it. And we hope that you had a great Life Day. And by the way, he he's on Twitch. He is a video game streamer. So oh, uh, really? well, yeah, I'll have to shout him out uh, when I get his uh, his screen name. But handle? is that what so, they call it? I don't know how they call handle, it. Handle, maybe. But super nice dude and had a really good Life Day story. So happy belated Life Day. Happy belated birthday. Um, but I've got one other thing, but I'll, I'll let you go next. What do you got for Yeah, sure. Yeah. There, there's been a lot of news, uh, and and I'd love to pull some of it up, but I'm using my phone as my camera because we've got a little, I've got a little technical difficulties over here, so I can't pull up all the details right now. But uh, one of them that I was excited to see was uh, the Acolyte um, series cast was officially announced, um, and there are a, a lot of names on there that I personally um, did not know. There was, uh, oh gosh, I'm, see, this is why it would be great for me to have it up. Um, the uh, What's the girl from the Matrix? Do you remember who you know who I'm talking about? I think yeah, Carrie Moss. Car- or- Car- Carrie Moss. Is that it? Yeah. Wow, I surprise myself sometimes. I'm um, impressed. She was one of the recognizable faces in there, so I was like, oh wow, that's cool, making a comeback. You know, um, at least a comeback into this genre. I don't know if it's I've really seen cool. her in anything, uh, you know, lately. Um, but then, of course, one of my favorites is uh, uh, I think I mentioned on a, a, a past. Uh, episode was uh, Manny J- Jacinto, I think is how you say his last yes. name. Yes, um, so excited plays, to see him. Who plays none other than this guy, if Jason I Mendoza. Jason Mendoza, folks. I can't find my camera. There he goes from Jacksonville, Florida. Is it Jacksonville? From Jacksonville. He's wearing his uh, uh, Bortles jersey, I think. <laughs> Bortles. Bortles. Um, but yeah, so he's going to be in there. So very excited to see what kind of role he ends up playing. You, um, you know what? One of my one of my favorite like little sort of like background jokes about Jason Mendoza in Jacksonville, Florida is in like the whole series. What's that? It, when there's an there's an episode where Jason, I think, picks somebody up from the airport. And you yeah. see in the back of the airport's name is Randy Macho Man Savage Memorial <laughs> Airport. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or like when the taxi comes to pick him up and it's just this big uh it's like a it's like a monster, monster truck, truck and it just rolls over the other cars and they throw their <laughs> luggage in the back oh <laughs> uh, and they, or like i would just like yells bortles and everybody echoes it you're like yeah everyone yep. from jacksonville apparently does this yep. okay <laughs> i love it 
if we have any listeners from Jacksonville, please tell us how accurate that show is on representing please. Jacksonville. I would love to know, um, having never been there myself. Uh, but anyway, back to the Acolyte. The thing that makes me excited about this, yes, we get to see the cast, and and there are some familiar faces in there. The guy, the guy from Squid Games, I remember, was one that uh, stands out too. Um, but to me, it's it, it reminded me a bit of how they announced Obi Wan and and that series with like the same kind of uh, family feud. No, Hollywood stars squares or the uh, uh, Brady Bunch squares is like the same kind of style. It's the same thing, and yeah. it was kind of the announcement that hey, we are starting production, and so mm-hmm. like. It's it's exciting to know the accolades ready. It's in production. One of the every time that you see a series get to this point, you know that it's it's moving forward and you can, you know, get excited for it now. So time to get officially excited for whatever this acolyte series is gonna be. I'm pumped. Can't wait. That's and my I, other piece of news. I, I think ahead. the only the only uh I think creator slash author I saw retweet that was Kevin Scott. Oh and really? Yes, and Kevin Scott retweeted that picture, that Brady Bunch picture with all the faces, and said something like, long may the High Republic era reign, or something like that. <laughs> he's he's personally invested, I'd say. Uh, I'd but, say so. And, yeah. and you know, very instrumental in, in uh, establishing that era. So, Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to see what, what, else, it, um, what else it has in store. So by um, the way, like when when should we expect that? I I don't know if they've come out with the details on it yet, have they? I don't, I don't think so either. No. Yeah. Um. We don't know. So. Uh, mm. I, I th- all right. This is why it would help to have the article up. I want to say it had like a year in there that it's going to be in production now. I I wouldn't expect anything honestly until either end twenty twenty three or early twenty twenty four at this point. To- totally fair. Totally yeah, fair. And that no. that's me being like a little bit impatient, being spoiled. Yeah, seriously, man. Used to just constantly getting good new Star Wars stuff. So forgive me. Well, hey, and speaking of uh while we're on the topic of the High Republic, though, mm-hmm. um, the next novel uh in the series in the High Republic series in this phase two, Convergence, Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah. comes out for us what is tomorrow, Tuesday the 22nd. Um, and yeah, something to look forward to. So um, so yeah, make sure to go pick that one up. The very, very little that I can say on that until we get a, a glimpse of it. Yeah, very very cool cover art, and that that yes. was uh, the subject of much discussion when we were at Comic Con. They they flashed all the cover art of the different books and the upcoming comic books and stuff like that up on the screen. Not all of them, but um, yeah. ran, ran us through a pretty good sampling, and that that was one where um, <clears throat> I just I really like. We've talked about this how they're incorporating this like theme of like blue colors, and the new High Republic banner for this phase has this blue in it. And when you see them all up there, you sort of see the story. And how it's sort of interconnecting just in the bite-sized little pieces of visuals. And this was one where I was like, ah, I wonder what that is. What's going on in the background? What's this? Yeah. What's that? So excited for that one. But we don't yeah. know a whole lot about it yet. But we will. Don't know yet. Uh, more to come, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's your other piece of news you said you had? I wanted to call out that uh, Marvel's Yoda issue number one is coming out this week. It's coming out yeah. on Wednesday. And we just mentioned the guy, but it's written by Cabin Scott with oh, wonderful cover like art by Fulnado. Um, so really excited to see what Kevin does with one, one of the legendary Star Wars characters and what we can learn about him and his story. And uh, I think it's pretty cool that given his lifespan, we're mm-hmm. able to get more and more of him going into the High Republic area, era 
and I, I just I really like what Kevin does with characters who we know. And so this should be pretty cool. And best of all, he can't kill him. He can't. <laughs> he can't. He can't. He likes to do that sometimes, but he can't. But you know what, dude? He will find a way to break our hearts when it comes to Yoda. He will. Oh, find yeah. A way. He, he found. Uh, he. Yeah, of course he will. Like, that's what his. I mean, he should. That's good storytelling is to find ways to, like, get you invested and to care about the character. Right. Uh huh. So, yep. yeah, he'll find his way. It just might. It just won't be with that character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he'll make him go through some heartbreak, but not us. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Yes, that's one to look forward to. Uh, my last piece of news, and then this is a great segue into our next segment. Um, so uh, Tony Gilroy has been doing a lot of interviews lately, yeah, and uh, been start you know getting a lot of questions about both season one and some of the behind the scenes stuff and how we approached certain things and and moments and stuff. Uh, we'll talk about some of those moments later that were brought up. Uh, he talked about kind of the block setup of the way that they they've uh, filmed the series with, you know, the first block being like, you know, life on uh, Ferrix to the heist. And then, you know, this prison segment that we're in that we just wrapped up um, and then uh, teased a little bit about season two. So there will be a season two. We knew that that was going to be the case, uh, that this wasn't all that we would ever get of the um anti-hero were you know spy uh of and that is andor um and he gave us the names of the directors at least and he gave he also told us that the same writers that were uh, involved with season one are coming back for season two so if you've been uh it's been very you know well received critically uh if you've liked the way that it's written and everything then very well received until for for that to continue um Inclu including his own brother like, yes, I, I just think that that's amazing that some some families have that much talent and ability and that siblings can work together. It's yes. pretty amazing. Yes, agreed. <laughs> that doesn't always work out that way. The right. Russo brothers figured it out. Uh, the Gilroy brothers are figuring it out. Uh, the Castens, uh, father and son duo, right? They, they yeah, work, yeah, yeah. They yeah, work together true. on some Star Wars stuff. Um, but yeah, it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, yeah, but they're going to be back the same writers, but then they got some, uh, new directors this time. And, and to me, that's, that's dif disappointing. Um, only from the sense that, uh, uh, for one, I really think these directors have done a great job too. I knew some of their previous work and really liked that. So I was excited to see what they would bring here and they did not disappoint. Um, but the exciting part is that more people get a, a shake and a, a chance to kind of show what they can do. Um, I did look up, so it's, uh, um, Ariel Kleiman, um, uh, Janice Metz and Alonzo uh, Ruiz Palacio, um, Palacios, I think I said that right, um, were the directors. Uh, I looked them up. I did not know any of their previous work. It looked like some of them were, you know, smaller, maybe indie type. Um, but, you know, doesn't mean that, uh, uh, you know, well, obviously wasn't fantastic stuff. It's something that Tony Gilroy did say, though, was like directors are really hard to come by, that it's really, they're in high demand um, and, you know, they're getting better and better at their craft. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough to, uh, always get the same ones, but that you can expect to get some good ones out there. So hopefully, um, we, we get to see what these three have in store come season two. Very cool. I'm excited. Um, that's it. That's all I got you. And with, with that, perhaps we'll transition to our next segment, whatever the heck that's called. You oh, know it. I don't, I know <laughs> news from across the, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> more to the story 
wait, one more piece of news. Uh, we are yeah. hiring for the um, replacement bro host of the Star Bros podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but then how will you have useless tangents? I don't know. <laughs> if your name is Randy, then that comes as a bonus. <laughs> um, Somewhere Randy just fell out of his chair. Um, <laughs> more to the story. <laughs> I hope he didn't fall out of his chair for reasons that he shouldn't have. <laughs> like, I hope he's okay. Don't please, please, if you do not come inebriated um, to the interview, please. <laughs> Randall. <laughs> anyway, Randy, um, let's move on to yep. uh, these these two episodes that we're going to cover. Okay, so we know yep. that we're releasing this a little bit later, but we want to keep with our um, our cadence of going through two episodes at a time. So we're going to and these um, are worth save. it. These are oh, these are worth yeah. spending some time on. We don't want to rush. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> don't rush it, like you just said. Uh, yeah. Episode eleven will come later, and we'll 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 cover that as part of the penultimate climax uh, season closer mm-hmm. that is to come. So, which we'll I'm very excited for. But um, we're going to start with episode nine. Nobody's listening, and then make our way through episode ten. One way out. Um, maybe I'll just stop at the start at the top. Uh, how have these these last two um, episodes worked for you when you think about all the episodes? Like we've gotten 10 episodes so, so mm. far and these are just two. I'm curious where you kind of feel they fall without knowing the last two, obviously. What do you mean by where they fall in terms of like how, how much, much you like them? Are they I really like good? them? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, we've gotten three story arcs and do you have a favorite that's starting to pan out yet? Oh, that, that, that's a good question. Um, maybe I can just spend a second on what it is that I really liked about these particular episodes. And that is, I like that they've put some of these characters like Cassian in a situation where you're stripping away a whole lot of other things and you get to see them kind of psychologically evolve. Yeah. And, and if you think about the environment that they're in this particular prison, it's pretty stark as most prisons are, but there's really no outside stimulus. There's really no, and I thought this was very interesting, a trope that they did not use typically in a prison movie or when you see anything about prisons in a story, there's a lot of infighting. It's inmates against inmates. There's different factions. There's whatever. Mm -hmm. There's none of that here. Yeah. Everybody's sort of a prisoner of their own experience. And I really like how you get to see Cassian's, not just his plan evolving over these couple of episodes, but you get to see him evolving as somebody who started out a mercenary. But I think by the end of the next episode, next couple of episodes, he starts to turn into the Cassian that we're going to know in Rogue One. And I you think can that's say, a good point. Yeah. Um, I, go I ahead. Think you, can, you can say that probably about this whole series is that trajectory that his, his evolution as a character, but I think it's really kind of stark in the prison setting. You really see his leadership. You really see his enthusiasm for survival. And <laughs> he starts to share that enthusiasm in terms of like, I don't just want to live and run away with a bag of money. I want to be able to help other people too. So I I really like this arc. I mean, going back to the stuff that we saw, like in the I episode, the overall Aldani heist that, that to me probably, you know, 10 years from now, when you ask me about 
and or I'll probably point to those episodes in that story arc as being like, oh my gosh, wasn't that amazing? But this stuff is really cool too. Episodes nine and 10 are really cool too. But where does yeah. it kind of shake out for you? So uh, it's, uh, it's going to be hard to say, you know, a year or two years down the line where if I'm going to hold to this, you know, as always, don't ever hold anyone to anything. Everything's subject to change. But I I have to say, like, I was so invested in this arc. Like, the last arc w- with the heist was great. I love the visual aspect of the eye and everything. And it still is, is really unique and special to me. But this one, I felt the anxiety and it was my anxiety. I felt the desperation and it was my desperation. It was it, it was so art artful in the way that it um really made the audience feel like they were part of this uh this suffocating experience and needing to get out of this prison like i i was just in it every step of the way and i don't think we've gotten star wars this whole episode or, or this whole series is new stuff for star wars every corner we turn around in this one i don't think we've ever felt the stakes as high the the pressure and that anxiety that i mentioned as high um there is some stuff and we'll talk well actually this will get us right into the next the episode nine nobody's listening um there is some really hard stuff to process this episode and it starts right at the very beginning with with um with bix and deidre uh so bix has been captured she's being interrogated by by deidre deidre i can you know go back and forth here both both of those han and han here we go again um but there's uh there are a lot of people that were really rooting for um i'm gonna say dedra i think that's what i normally said uh rooting for her like really kind of related to her and liked her ambition that evaporated this episode nobody feels that way anymore when they see the in inside isb version of her versus the how i treat people on the street version of her it's not the same person and you do not want to mess with that one that other one anymore yeah and and don't play it back but i've been saying for a couple of our episodes that i think she's gonna reveal herself to be a rebel sympathizer or turn a corner and become a rebel. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I see that anymore. That, but that's the problem with speculation. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, um, well, what do you think of this opening uh, sequence with her and, and tell us a little bit more about, you know, Dr. Gorst and everything with Bix. Like how did that sit with you? <laughs> I mean, it it is. So I think some of this was like, there was some kind mm-hmm. of like, prison story tropes and then some of it tons feels like a spy movie yeah where you have the interrogator and and we'll get to oh what was the guy's name who met with luthan um oh uh in the next one yes the supervisor lonnie Lonnie jung yes um so, so some of this like kind of like double agents we, you know, we, we have uh, an interrogator on staff and they're going to get information for, from you about the, the, the person that we're hunting and, and so on. So I think I thought that was kind of a cool balance of like the prison prison part of it feels so stuck in that one spot. And then the rest of this is like, well, anybody could be the spy and, and who's the double agent and so on. But this, sure. I thought that this, this whole part of it, I thought was pretty gruesome. Yeah. And, I didn't catch this when I first watched it, but I read about it later. Do you know what Dr. Gorst is doing to Bix to torture and interrogate her? I mean, it's all psychological is the way that I would describe it, but maybe like psychological torture almost. But what what do you find? He is playing a sound for her. 
Yes. He's he, he's playing the Children. sound the sound of the Dizonites, the, yes. a, a species or a race of um, now unfortunately extinct, completely wiped out by the Empire. And I guess they decided to record some mass killing of Dizonite children. They decided to broadcast it as proof of completing their genocidal orders. <sighs> heavy. So heavy, heavy. you're taking one terrible bad thing that they just that you cannot come back from and yeah. they've weaponized it. They've weaponized it. And <laughs> this is what they're playing for Bix that is kind of destroying her psychologically. Yeah. And you don't get to hear it. You don't Thank really goodness. get you don't get to experience it. And I think stuff like that, it's sort of like in Jaws where you don't see the shark for the first 90 minutes or whatever. Like it just, it, it's, it, it's almost worse to have your imagination run wild on you. And, and that's, that's the beauty of that too. Yeah. That hearing it would not have been sufficient. It's one no. thing to like, Oh, one day we need to know what, what happened in that. Like, no, your imagination fills in the gaps and that is horrific enough. Yeah. And then for her, the actress that's playing Bix to bring that to life in a way that you mm. feel and like gives mm -hmm. you anxiety. You're watching every little movement of her that's eyes. A great and point. There's so many like, great performances in this. So good. I like including I, Dr. Like, Gorst, who is just polite a maniac. <laughs> yes. And sort the of smiley. Maniac. Yeah. Which again, <laughs> That contrast makes him seem like completely like a homicidal, just to total maniac, like you said. But yeah. anyway, they're they're um, they're interrogating Bix, trying to get information about somebody who is a prisoner in an imperial prison under another name. The intrigue just couldn't get any more terrific than that. Um, yeah. But she she's a holdout, and. She she fights it as much as she can, and it seems to kind of physically break her. Yeah, it it does, and and I you wonder how, but I don't want to know how to be honest. Like that, the knowing might be worse than you know uh, everything that we're seeing, and it just makes you feel for Bix, and it makes you wonder what's the end of her story too. Like, yeah, he's basically bait for Cassian at this point. Yeah, is there going to be anything left when when he comes to rescue her? Like. What's the resolution there? I just, uh, and I feel like, you know, this last episode is going to be really hard for, for our hero. Um, and that's going to be part of it. Just seeing the state that they put Bix in. And that's going to be enough to just make him go, you know what? I'm a rebel now. That's yeah. enough. That's all I needed. I, I think um, you're right. And and I think it's also um, the impact that the empire is having on Ferrix is, I think it's, it's kind of balancing yeah. out between, there's going to be visible destruction and visible scars, but there's also going to be invisible scars that people are going to have to carry around with them. And that's yeah. going to be the legacy of this moment of the empire on Ferrix. And again, that, that could cause other people on Ferrix to rise up and become sympathetic to the rebellion in ways that maybe they were not before. Yep. Which and, was kind of Luthen's plan all along, which is a, it's a effective one, but a very dark one. Yeah. No, but that, that was kind of what he wanted was what was happening on Ferrix for people to rise up because of oppression. Yeah. Um, and and that's like a big, that's a big theme that's coming out for me in this whole series. And kind of when I'm taking a step back and looking at the rest of Star Wars, it is two, two things that I wrote down. One, 
there there's a really cool history in Star Wars of reluctant heroes, of people yeah. who are put in situations who rose to the occasion or are put in situations and despite how they view themselves, end up being a good guy. Han Solo is yeah. a really good example of scoundrel, doesn't realize he's, he's a good guy. Luke Skywalker, things are just sort of thrust upon him. Like he did not go out seeking adventure, even though he was sort of hungry for it. It was yeah. just kind of thrust upon him. And yeah. I think th this is like Luthen's whole like Mr. Glass thing. Did you ever see Unbreakable? I never saw it, but I know it well enough. Go oh, ahead. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Um, one, one of the plot lines, and it's been out for ages. So hopefully yeah. I'm not spoiling too much for anybody. I know the spoiler. It's good. But one of the one of the stories is the the villain in air quotes uh, of the story, because some people think that, you know, maybe he's more of an antihero or whatever. But the villain creates these terrible situations and from those terrible situations looks for a hero to arise or for a hero to be created by that awful, terrible situation. Yeah. And I think that that's some of what Luthen is doing here. So, uh, you know, there are different parts where he's trying to rush the uh like the brewing kind of conflict to boil over so that we can just sort of get on with this whole thing of like like it, the rebellion's been kind of under the surface and in the back of people's minds like let's just kind of bring it to life and recognize that that's going to cost some people's lives and yeah so I, i've been i've been kind of thinking about like that there's this nice theme here of reluctant heroes but there's also this whole thing of like rebel this this rebellion is reactive and they're creating the reaction in a lot of these situations and the empire going out and causing these horrible, tragic things to happen to people is, is kind of creating the reaction despite all the despair and the hopelessness that you see under the surface. Like it, it, th this episode and the next episode made me feel like, Oh, it's coming to the surface finally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we will definitely get back to the whole point you, you're getting to about, um, leadership because that is the big theme of of the next episode um, yeah. and i totally agree with you like this is it, i don't know if i'd call him as a, a much a, a reluctant leader I, you know what yeah i i think that's a good categorization in some moments but like he's more because he does some things that like show that he really gets leadership um so but again i want to i want to save some of that um i want to talk a little bit but we're getting to the prison scene now we're getting to cassian and everything that's kind of happening in this episode um i want to talk a little bit about Olaf which is uh, uh the older gentleman guy. in this this um uh in this episode um i i like something that i saw at the beginning somebody calls him an old timer mm -hmm. and then as soon as he calls him that old timer somebody else corrects him and says uh that he's a short timer and says that he has 41 days left on his uh sentence and then he can get out of there um and just that like switch of, of words there instead of calling him an old timer calling him a short timer yeah so this episode really revolves around him and 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 showing the toll that being a prisoner in this environment has taken on uh, uh on some of its people um and the toll is is uh, it's a tro it's a storytelling device it's really it's it's sad to see Olaf going through this but what it's really for is for Kino Loy um you know, Cassian is doing his thing. He's trying to uh, figure out ways to escape. And he's found his allies within the prison that are are willing to work with him to kind of figure it out and come up with a plan and things like that. And like, good thing too. Um, because if they, 
as we'll get to in the next episode, if they didn't have some sort of plan, none of this would have worked. But like mm-hmm. Cassian's working, he's plotting, he's figuring it out. Um, and Kino Loy is just in denial through the whole thing. And and if it's not for Olaf, he, he's not uh, coming around. And it shows something about Kino Loy that I like. Um, he is hard. Like Andy Circus is playing him well. He's he's great to play because he's like a hard nose, follow by the rules, like do work hard, like you know, make you work hard. Uh, uh, he's a great leader um, mm-hmm. in some, some people's eyes. Um, a very certain type he's of leader. effective. He's an effective leader. Sure. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Um, but he cares about his people because he has the goal in mind of getting out. See, I, I question that for a little bit until also, until Olaf helped me see that, yeah, he does genuinely care about yeah. the, the people who I think he sort of sees himself as being entrusted with. Yeah, I, I think, yes, there's a practical thing of like he wants to just sort of keep order on his floor to ensure that things run smoothly so that he can get through this next day and and scratch another day off the list and count down and maybe they get flavor in their food and whatever else. Yeah. But when when we lose Olaf, when he starts to slip away and, and finally when he passes, like the way that Andy Circus plays Kino Loy shows there's a genuine compassion and a care and a sadness there that I, I yeah. didn't, I didn't know if he had that until we saw him go through a couple of things that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Absolutely does. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I, I think this episode is really about, um, you know, making sure that we establish Kino Loy and his, uh, kind of his character a bit more. Um, and we see, that he just all he wants to do is focus on getting out and yeah. helping Olaf get out, right? Yeah. Um, and Cassian is is pushing him to think differently. He's mm-hmm. pushing him to think about uh, you know, what if you want to how about getting out of here sooner, huh? Or are you sure about that? Like, are you sure you're just gonna get out of here? Is it gonna be that easy? They're just gonna be like, Thank you for your service, on with you now. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 so um I th- I think it's a uh, um I think it's interesting that they kind of started off that way, but uh, we'll kind of come back to that storyline later. And when we, when we end the episode, um, let's talk a little bit about Mon Mothma and what's happening to her in this episode. Yeah, because this is one of the, when we were texting about it, you're, you're talking about the different chess pieces getting set up yeah. for the finale of the, the, this season at least. Yeah. And this, this was definitely another one. So um, as part of the Aldi, Aldani heist backlash, it seems like the empire will seize any opportunity to expand its powers and to crack down on anything it sees as being subversive to the empire's power. And that starts to happen in the Senate and Mon Mothma is witness to what's happening and behind the scenes is working some of her connections to be able to help continue to finance the rebellion. And yep. unfortunately, she has some unsavory encounters with uh, a guy by the name of Davos Skaldin. But 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 yep. before she runs into him, uh is it her cousin is Tay Colma? The the, no. the other or is there no. is there some so, relation there? Oh they they were schoolmates. Schoolmates, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, sorry. Um someone else is the cousin. Yes. Uh what's her name? Uh Vel. Vel. <laughs> yeah. Um so which one do you want to go to first? Take Coleman or uh, 
or Vel? <laughs> well, let, let's let's talk about Tay first. Yeah. Okay. And 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 so we we've been introduced to this character, I think, a little bit earlier, right? And is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks for checking me on that. Um, played by the brilliant Ben Miles, who was on one of my favorite BBC shows ever called Coupling. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but... It, um, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a really good comedy show. He's a terrific comedic actor. And he plays some of this like in a smirky way, take home mm. um, but But also in a serious kind of like... Um, uh, how would you describe this? He's very kind of like tongue-in-cheek. Uh, he knows what he's doing, but he's sort of playing the game of trying to make it look... Like he's just sort of like, yeah, I'm just at this cocktail party, but I also know that I'm I'm dealing with somebody who is helping to finance a rebellion, and I'm not going to let that show. He's very sly. I think that's probably a good word to put it. Okay, a good a good way to put it. Um, but Mon Mothma's in this in this tricky situation where she needs additional funding for her rebellion, and she also needs some help with some uh, some creative accounting. That they've done That's so good, far. I was like some accounting mistakes or discrepancies. Like we haven't had a lot of news in the, you know, uh, on in the markets on that. You know, we, we won't get to real life situations. <laughs> right. The, 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 this is a entirely fictional creative accounting situation where yeah. um, different kind. What is it? There's like four hundred thousand credits or something yeah. that we, we need to kind of make uh, not appear so creative. Yes. Um. And so is it Tecolma, I guess, who recommends this meeting with this unsavory character? Yeah. And he's kind of told her, like, look, I've gone through all the options. This was the previous episode, but like I've gone through all the options, right? And and uh I, I really don't have many more than just this guy because he I mean, she calls him a thug. Um, mm-hmm. she doesn't like him. Um, she knows that everything what he's doing is kind of a little uh you know, dirty accounting or whatever you want to call it. You know, he, he gives out these loans and, um, and he kind of, man, this, this interaction that he has with Momoth was really interesting. Cause he talks about just like not wanting anything in return. And um, Th- this is where it gets like medieval. This is like stuff yeah. that like, I remember reading about in European history class in high school. Yeah. Of it, he, he doesn't want any money. He's got plenty of it. He's got it. Money doesn't interest him anymore. He wants favors. Yes. And the favor that he wants is simply an introduction is how he puts it out there. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not that, you know, he wants more, um, an introduction for his son to Mon Mothma's daughter. Cause she's about to come of age in their culture and be 14 and then now can get married. That, and I that's, think that's the medieval part that, that really yeah. gets me is like that kind of nonsense used to happen when somebody who was an up and comer, maybe wasn't part of the Royal family or whatever, wanted to connect to Royal families. They would just be like, well, let's just make our kids get married. We'll give you some of our army. You give, you give us your daughter, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And like, Oh, that sounds like a good exchange. Yeah. But, but <laughs> something, something that I thought was really well done in this scene that that somebody pointed out online is if you look at the spacing between the characters, the way the director set them up, it's almost like the space between Mamathma and this guy is reflective of her disgust for him. It's oh, not like, yes. It's, it's not like they're sharing a little two top table in a little cafe somewhere talking about their kids. Stay over there. Don't come near me. Yeah, we have to be able to hear each other. So, you know, yeah, I guess stay in the room. <laughs> and, and 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 the way that um, is it Genevieve O'Reilly is her name. Yep. The the way that she plays it, she doesn't do anything like lean in, 
or like oh, too, so standoffish so cold and distant yeah. the, the the whole thing is is just it makes your skin crawl a little bit uh, you can just feel her discomfort and they just they they the way that they stage it and the way that she plays it just just absolutely perfect and how smug he is oh, oh yeah it. what does he say at the very end is like that's the first untrue thing that you've said you know so yes like, he knows that he's got his chess pieces right where he wants them mm-hmm. and the her, like her fate is in his hands essentially she can either ask for his help and he's willing to offer it here's 400,000 here's the loan he needed and you know just introduce my son and we'll be good like yeah. he do, he really doesn't even care if she defaults on that loan no I could, like he could care less what he cares is that now his son is in the upper echelon of society with a senator's daughter mhm like that's all that he cares about and what that could mean for him later down the line. So, you know, like yep. this is a favor that continues to extend itself into perpetuity, you know? And yep. so like, that's, it's, it's, it's interesting. I did not see this uh, season going this direction for her. I really thought it was going to just be more like how she becomes empowers, like the leader of the rebellion. No, this is very like how personal the rebellion is for mom Mothma, how, much she had to sacrifice we'll talk about sacrifice in the next episode how much she has to personally sacrifice for the rebellion and how much how few options she had at, at different turns in the story like she was yeah. really kind of backed into a corner here and this was this was yeah. one of her best options i i kind of talk about uh how we talked about the prison analogy and how yeah. uh, last episode um the you know we've got a physical prison which cassian is located in and we have Momothma, who's in a different kind of prison of her own. And the walls for her are just getting tighter and tighter and closing yep. in. It's doing yep. the same for Andor in the, in the same kind of um, fictitious sense. But for her, it's much more psychological. It's much more like, hey, if she did, does get caught, she could be going to actual prison. Or or worse, like the ISB could just be like, oh, you're a rogue senator. We're just going to execute you in front of everybody. Like, this could end really poorly if she's caught. Um, and... And so with the walls closing in, what does she do? Does she give in? This is her only option out. And she hates this tradition, but she might just have to bite the bullet and do it, which is really tough. Yeah, really tough. We shall see. But yeah, that that, that continues the theme of a lot of these characters being sort of stuck in whatever outward facing identity they've taken on to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So... Can we move on to one more thing? Or do you have one of the things? Yeah, yeah. From from this episode or the next one? This one. Sure. We have like two more things to cover in this one. Yeah. Um, the last one's really quick. We got to talk about Cyril. I'm well, I, and, I, and I've got one more beyond that, but yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Cyril first and then you're, you're one beyond that. Yeah. What's up, dude? You went from like some of us had hope for you to some of us are like hating you to, to you know, like now you're not winning anybody over. You turned into a stalker. T- totally stalkery, really creepy. Um, it, just a, a little bit uncomfortable, but he, he's feeling some desperation. He he feels connect connected to the Empire's mission. He feels connected and obsessed with this Cassian Andor hunt, and he can't let it go. He, he can't. just can't let it go. And his one and I'm thread. I'm not it, sure why half the time. I don't know. I don't know. I, like it, he's he's defined himself by it. It, I, yeah, I think, I think part of it is like he's really taken offense to the way that um, it was handled that 
this yeah. is somebody who you know killed a couple of these corpos and got That's away right. with we it yeah yeah um but you know like i think most people in a situation where they've lost any ability to influence the outcome kind of at a certain point go i gotta move on i i gotta i gotta let go of this thing and do something different mm -hmm. um like there's the guys that you went to high school with that wear their football jacket in their twenties. It's like, you got to let that go. Um, <laughs> uh, don't wear your football jacket to the football game. It's a little bit weird, but Cyril's like, no, I'm, I'm going to keep showing up at the ISB and I'm going to bother this. I don't want to say poor woman because she's a bit monstrous in her own right. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just completely obsessed. He is. And, and, and it's gone to the point where he's like, He's crossing some boundaries, you know, not yeah. the, not just ones that could get him in trouble, like, you know, fired or like arrested, things like that, because he's crossed those lines, too. But now he's kind of getting a little bit creepy. Like he he used stalker language, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. so I just kind of watched this now and I was like, OK, um, like. Why is he obsessing so much over this? Um, and and again, we know why. Um to him and or ruined his uh you know his shot of making it big within the empire uh he stood up to order and that's not okay and he's getting i think i think that's it. the big part i think that's yeah. the big part for him I, I don't think it's so much like personal vengeance as like making it right like he 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 thinks that the system has been wronged and he wants to make it right yes yeah exactly and he wants to be part of that so um, and he's been wrong because of all that too. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's just really weird to see the steps that he's taking. Yes. Um, she, she would have been within her rights to pepper spray him. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> What's the other part you want to talk about? I wanted to mention, and a couple of people have called this out online and I did not notice it until they mentioned it, but okay. Within, within the boundaries of the empire, it makes sense. And it has always made sense to not see any aliens. But you would think mm. on Narkina 5, you would think that the prison would be full of aliens. Like, yeah, where where are the aliens in this show? And and that's not a that's not a knock on the show. It's not a criticism. I just expected to see a little bit more. And I think I would have expected to see them locked up in a prison because the Empire seems to love that. Well, maybe there's just some profiling that's happening by the Empire to get the, the most able bodies that they can to do their dirty work could be could be you know they need something that kind of replaces droid so i i don't know i don't know the answer i've noticed it too but i'm like uh it's it's kind of hard to make all of those aliens do exactly what you've got the them building and lifting and all that stuff maybe maybe it has something to do with that that that's know. fair yeah that's i fair. don't know i don't know but um, i i was just i was curious and then when when that was pointed out, i was like oh yeah yeah, I expected to see a few more, but that's OK. Well, let's talk about one more thing, which will then lead us into the next episode. Um, so we haven't really talked about it, but uh, one of the things that's happening in this this prison is is this mysterious like orders that are being told, like then sign language going back and forth. And everyone's trying to understand what's happening on level two, what's happening on level two. And there's there's something happening, but they're they're not able to get the information that they need. And so. They're kind of in the dark per se. And it's, 
eating everybody alive. Um, Melshi, I think, is the one who's like mouthing off, and Kino Loy just loses it and just socks him in the gut because of it. Like people are losing their minds and their tempers, and and it's getting dicey. Olaf then uh, has a stroke. We find out, and is on his last in, in his last moments. We find out. Um, the medic comes in to try to save him at this whole point. Kino Loy is just like, I just want to save him and get him, uh, to fill his sentence so he can go yep. home. Can you help yep. him out? And, and the doctor was like, I am helping him by taking, by easing his pain, easing his suffering and letting him part from this life. Cause none of us are getting out. And that's where, so it's really interesting at this point. Um, the back of like, Kino Loy is still of the mindset. Like we're getting out, we're getting out, but slowly through this conversation, with uh the it's a medic game changer it's a game changer it's funny because the medic is like you need to get your guy in line he's not talking to cassian at this point mm -hmm. i think that's where cassian learns a little bit of this leadership of like hey i'm not going to try to lead by being the one out in front i'm going to try to lead by nudging this guy kino loy to be the leader because that's who he is and he's good at it and so he's kind of just trying to nudge kino loy along finally kino loy is the one who's asking the questions he's like what happened on level two tell mm -hmm. me now um he's finally convinced there's a problem and he needs to know what it is and the problem is none of them are getting out ever he, the they they fried an entire floor he says because they wanted to keep quiet that somebody who was on a different level who ended their sentence just ended to back up on a, another level the next day and so they decided the few people in the empire that were running this facility decided you know what to just stave off any big rebellious activities let's just fry them all as soon as kino loy hears that something flips in him and that last piece of dialogue to end this episode you know uh, earlier in the episode you had um you had andor asking kino loy how many guards are there on the yep, floor wouldn't he tell him wouldn't tell him he wouldn't he wouldn't pretend like he was even thinking he just shut off the light ignored him very end of the episode he not only shows that he's been counting he shows that he was counting way before mm -hmm. he even asked and he was just trying to stifle that side of his brain or push that side of his brain down so he didn't think about it yep um it's it's just a fantastic moment um what do you make of all this i've just explained what happened but what do you make of all this i i think there are two things that that happen here that are pretty important i think we see Kino Loy become a different type of leader, uh, a leader outside of the structure that he's used to and a, uh, a rebellious leader. Um, but we also see Cassian, I think, get a real glimmer of hope here. And it's not, it's not when Kino Loy tells him how many guards to expect. I think Cassian sort of connects the dots and realizes that the empire must feel vulnerable with within the confines of Narkina five here with when, when he says the line power doesn't panic. Yeah. And I, and I think he has the power doesn't panic, connect the dots moment in, in this situation when he realizes, gosh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't fry that whole floor unless they were sort of scared of something. And not, he, and I, they were scared. They were scared of us, the prisoners. Yes. Yeah, and it, it made me think of that whole thing from, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the 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 name of the 
comic book series that was made into an HBO TV show. But um, one, one of the characters mm -hmm. who's a, a anti-hero type of character ends up in prison and he's kind of getting picked on in prison. And what he says to his fellow inmates always stuck with me. I, I, I wish I could remember the name of the show. Um, but he says something like, you guys think I'm stuck in here with you. You don't realize that you're stuck in here with me. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the moment that Cassian has of like, well, you know, these guys are afraid of us. And yeah. that means that they're vulnerable in some way. And that means we can do something about it. And we can get our way. We can find our way out of here. And there's only one way out, as the next episode is called. That's um, yes. what a so segue. I, Good job. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think that whole moment for me is like mentioned earlier. You, you get to see the Kino Loy. I think you get to see the Kino Loy really actually deeply cares and i think that like yes one of the things that the, this this series has really kind of like warmed me up to is i've always thought andy circus was the man always mm -hmm. thought he was the man but i i haven't gotten to see him just him really do any acting like i thought he was the man as Gollum, as snoke as you, you, the guy from planet of the apes like you name it mm -hmm. um but just the way like you sort of see in his eyes, his facial expressions, his posture, like the way he plays this all is just freaking fantastic. Um, yes. So I, I think this scene, you see his heart. I think you see Cassian's courage kind of bubbling up to the surface. We'll talk about it in a minute, but I, I kept saying, uh, you know, it's, it's so nice that after many movies of scaring the daylights out of us, that we've learned that Andy Serkis can also inspire us. <laughs> yes. Right. Like he can, he scared us with Gollum and he's scared us with Snoke and he's, uh, uh, you mentioned the plan of the apes guy, right? Um, wait, is he, he's not the villain in that one. I can't remember who he is. Oh, I can't remember either. Um, but he could have played any of them. He would have been great. Yeah, exactly. Know. Actually, no, I think he is. He's like the, he's the, um, he's the, uh, ape that turns, isn't it? Like he was good, but then he anyway. Randy the ape. Randy. Oh gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's go off a deep end pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but no, he. It's just so cool to see him kind of switch gears and show us what what else he's capable to do on uh, yeah. on that spectrum. Which you know he was, but like yeah, like you said, you get to see what he's capable of. But you like you said, one way out leads us into the next episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just picks up right where it left off, and and. I loved where it ended. I loved how it cut off right at that moment because it just left you on the edge of your seat for a whole week going, okay, can't wait. That episode started and I was shaking with excitement. Oh, yeah. Where it would go. And and that I think, I was thinking about this today. I really appreciate it that we get one episode a week because mm -hmm. I think some of these are worth really chewing on. And I think yes. it builds anticipation in a nice way that I wouldn't get if I was just binging it on like a cold winter weekend or something. Yeah. So I, I've appreciated the spacing and I think, I think Gilroy and team have like done a really nice job of like where one episode ends one, where one picks up. And I think this, this is a really good spot too, with their arcs, the way they box it out. Yeah. It works really well. The way that they're kind of ending in a place where you're like, Oh man, I want so much more. And, and you just have to wait a week and then you get it. But uh, you, like you said, like it leaves you a lot to chew on and to, you know, and, and kind of figure out why, why every moment that we're seeing matters yeah. in the grand scheme of things. And and it'll, I think it'll all pay off when we see it all come together. Um, but one of the things that I liked about where this picked back up was it, it picked right back up in the kind of the chaos of the realization of, of what they've just learned. 
and Kinoloy is losing his mind over it. Um, he's yelling at at Cassian on program. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, he just kind of pauses him right there. He's like, what are you doing? That's where he says the line of like, power doesn't panic. They panic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they don't have power and they know it. Um, and that's when he's uh, Cassian also gives the line, I'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want, which yeah. will come back up later. Um, also foreshadows to Scarif and to everything yeah. that happens in Rogue One. Yeah. Um, so I I I kind of look at this moment as maybe the shift isn't there yet, but we're in the fourth gear of five gears for him becoming a rebel now. Like, yeah, that's a good way to put so it. Cl- he's so close. I know I drive a stick shift. I have to use analogies that relate to me. Um, <laughs> but I, he's so close to being a rebel because this just proved it. And when he yells back on program to Kino Loy, I'm like, dude, this guy is a rebel now. He's, he's yeah. so good. Yeah. But and, what do you make of that? I, it, Kino's whole worldview is shattered. And and yeah. I don't know. Do Do we know how long Kino has been in? Did I miss that? It's mm, a good question. Long enough to become the leader. Long enough to become the leader. Yeah, long enough to become the leader, long enough to really kind of get established in whatever his routine is, because it seems like every day is the same and he's got some control over how the days go. Um, But that's all been undone in this last Mm -hmm. episode. His his whole expectation of getting out, his whole understanding of um, a possible future beyond, like it's all shattered. And, And we watch him go through some of that. And I think also... Andy Serkis plays that really well with him kind of like cowering in bed and turning his back to, to everybody else and, and so on. Um, but even then, like I'll go back to like that trope thing. Like I, I think one of the things that works for me, but is out of the ordinary is this is a prison story where this, the, the it, it's on the verge of like a full on prison riot, but all the prisoners are getting along. Yeah. They're still trying to talk sense into one another still trying to um kind of kind of Cassian's trying to rally Kino to the cause um and it, and it's not easy to do but uh I think I think where it kind of goes back and gets more kind of prison tropey is like when when they go to execute on the plan and what plan what are you talking about there's no plan there's a plan <laughs> is there a plan <laughs> there's a plan um well the all right we'll get back to that because I want to talk yeah, about yeah. That. keep going yeah but uh, do you want to do you want to reflect a little bit on the on program and all, all that stuff first? Well, I mean, the only other thing that I thought I'd say about this that I didn't, which uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember now, was um, I it was the fact that uh, I kept wondering in the week leading up. All right. We pretty much know the end of the arc is coming the next episode there. They yeah. followed their formula. This is three episode arcs. And so this is the prison break scene. But we haven't seen much planning other than him, you know, uh, filing at a pipe for a little bit and like having a quick conversation about how you don't get electrocuted on the elevator. Yeah, that's it. There's no plan. And well, we, we, we know that um, there's an opportunity, but and that's we it. That, we know that the yes. plan will be built around the opportunity. So that was what was really cool to me, which was realizing that the untimely death and passing of Olaf has to peace. Yes, has created a a, a a a quick opening for them. If they don't take advantage of it, they may not get it again. Because to his point, power doesn't panic. They panicked. They're going to beef up their power. So this is literally it. This is yes. the only time that we can do this. Yeah. And if we don't, even plan or no plan, like 
if we don't, we probably won't get out ever. We will die here. Yeah. And it's that realization that makes Keen Lavoie, he, he kind of goes into the silent mode, gets back into his cell. They're talking about what just happened, why Olaf isn't there anymore. And, uh, and then Keenan Lloyd just screams, nobody's getting out or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And tells everybody exactly what's happening, that it's true and to get in their cells and figure it out. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. There is no plan. I keep going back to it. And, and by the way, if you think differently, you know, let me know. But like, I think the reason why I keep bringing this back up is because every time that we watch a heist, a breakout, a big battle of some kind, the the writers like to expose us to the plan. And oh, tell yeah. us, o Ocean's Eleven is like 90 minutes of planning. It is. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so you watch it go according to plan. Oh, it didn't go according to plan. Oh, we figured it out. And, and, and that's the conflict plan. of like, oh, you're supposed to, he's supposed to do a backflip here and who knows if you'll land it. And it's like, we don't get any of that. That's a good point. <laughs> Right, but it, you're exactly right. Like it's all about exposing us, the audience, to the plan, so that we believe it's possible when it happens. Mm -hmm. Here, there isn't one, and we also are to, made to believe there wouldn't be one. So we're watching this whole thing going. This could just fall apart any minute. There is no mm -hmm. plan. They're just flying by the seat of their pants. And now you are so invested, you're shaking, and and you're excited by what's happening. So it's a great ploy, I think, to you know by the writers to deliberately not have a plan. Yeah. But but we do see the execution of some kind of plan here and we do see the coordinated kind of jailbreak and one one of the tropes that does feel kind of like prison movie-ish is the sawing of the water pipe and mm. go, going in there um a little bit at a time and and sawing away at it uh, over who knows how much time. Who knows how much time is kind of passing um through, through the the whole kind of like arc here. Um, but I think that between Ulaf well, there's and, supposed and this, to be like month, each episode is about a month or so. Okay. Got it. I think, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so there's the courageous kind of breakout of like the new guys getting delivered. We break the water pipe and, you know, on the elevator on its way down, like we, we seize the opportunity. Um, and like almost right away when, when they start to kind of pour out of there, you do start to see it seems like the empire is kind of shorthanded in terms of like the guards and, and, and the overall security here. Like they've really depended on the technology and the psychological part of it to be the security. Yes. And once they realize that they can kind of like carve their way through a handful of people, um, it's not, it's not too long before they're kind of on the bridge, so to speak, uh, kind of, kind of running the place. Um, but I, I think I think it's really important that just like an episode before, we start to see Kino Loy's heart and we start to see him caring. And then we realize pretty quickly that it's also really important to him to get everybody out who he can. Yes. It, it's it's not enough for him to like save his himself or his floor or just the people who he was kind of like accountable to and for. Like he wants to break the whole place out if he can. Yeah. And that 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 becomes clear really quickly and it's a very noble i think reaction to the whole thing well and he also needs cassian to help him out in all this cassian that, that, is the one who believes they can escape right that's a good point he, that's a really good point he never did which is why he never entertained it yeah and now all of a sudden over a span of a few minutes he is forced 
to go the mm-hmm. other way because he sees exactly what Cassidy's like. This is our only shot, and yeah. if not, I don't get out, and that inevitably is my goal. So I gotta make this shift happen now. Yeah. Um, a little detail that I really liked in this, by the way, was mm-hmm. when they panned to uh Cassian as he's supposed to be sleeping and the lights turn on and he's wide awake. Mm-hmm. I just like he's been awake all night just thinking yeah. about this. Yeah. And everyone is feeling that way. You can kind of feel that tension in the room of like, this is the day we are oh, gonna yeah. do this. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we are gonna do this. Yep. And you know, figure it out. So um, but back to my point, Kino Loy needs Cassian in mm-hmm. this moment to step up and be this leader. But at the same time, Cassian needs Kino Loy. He to needs be him. He needs, he needs his him. voice on, on the loudspeaker. And I think that, so this gets to the leadership conversation we need to have. Um, one of my favorite pieces uh, and moments in this um, is the speech that Kino Loy eventually gives once they break out, once they get up there to the, to the tower and, and they're able to make their announcement K- kind of reluctantly, ki- kind of like, kind of not, not, not being punny, but he needs to find his voice as this type of leader. But, but this is the kind of leader he is. He's just never had to do it in this fashion. He's, he, at the, first it was, this has been to... beat out of him yeah. over his time there. But but they're the same skills. Like they're the same skills that got him to make sure everybody made their, um, you know, whatever they're making, whatever they're making on time. Yeah, <laughs> which I think we'll eventually find out. But um, but I anyway. think there's there's going to be like a holy guacamole moment when you see whatever it was. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But uh, right now, no clue, no clue. Um, but but Cassian realizes. I am not the one to give this speech. Everybody listens to Kino Loy. He's the leader on one of the floor and, and Mm -hmm. people will recognize Some people will recognize his voice and that's what matters. And it'll count for something. It'll mean something to them. Yeah. And so Cassian's just like the leader. He's been the leader this whole time. They don't break out and get this far if it wasn't for him. Right. He's been the one sawing the pipe. He's been the one inspiring everybody. He's been the one, you know, you know, pushing them to, to, uh, you know, count the number of guards, all this kind of stuff. And at this moment, he goes, I am not the leader for this moment. You are, Kino Loy. You are going to do this. Um, and he gives the speech. And it's it's very, it ends up being really good. Um, but the best part about it was that he repeats Cassian's line, the um, I'd rather die line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so obviously he's been inspired by Cassian. And just to see the, you know, the, the power of the first follower is what I, I I'm taking from a Ted talk, but th- this is the power of the first follower. And that's what, you know, Cassian was the one pushing it. Kino Loy is the one who eventually follows along. And that is what gets everybody to follow along. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for Kino Loy being the first follower, the breakout doesn't happen. Beautifully said. You can have the soapbox back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I, I think this leads to a really heartbreaking moment that shows the depth of Kino Loy's care and his heart and his commitment to his people. When we get to kind of like the landing spot for the shuttles that were delivering the prisoners, yeah. it's now, now, now just open air and it falls down into the ocean or this massive lake or whatever it is. And it cuts back to Kino Loy and he tells, tells them that he can't swim and he knew he couldn't swim. And people who can't swim are keenly aware of where the water is at all times. And 
if they're going to encounter any water and he must have known that this is the way out and then i'm not i'm not getting out in one piece like everybody else is but i but he's probably thinking to himself like i my my job's kind of done here i i I led folks to the exit he uh saved everyone but not for himself yep um ends up being really powerful uh now if you don't see a body no one's dead yeah so we don't know yet we don't know we're just led to assume that he either jumped to his death or stayed to, to his death. Like something happened. It's because as soon as they go, who are you? He's going to say, Kino Loy. Like we have a recording of you telling everyone to leave. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> so it's not going to be, it's not like I have high hopes that he's made it. Yeah. Um, I eventually, I, I, I would love to see him pop back up and some, and serve some capacity in the rebellion. That would be amazing. Well, but, be. So don't, he's not dead until you see a body, but I'm led to believe that he is. I'm led to <laughs> believe that he is. It. If I had to guess, I don't think we're ever going to see him again. Yeah, but it, it's also Andy Circus, and he, if you can get him to come back and find a good reason to get, make him come back, he'll come back probably. Yeah, he could be in the next season as somebody else, and we would buy it, yeah. and it'd be great. <laughs> exactly. As Snoke. Um, <laughs> the, the the fan theories, let them all begin. Yeah. Um, no, one other thing, too, is that we, we eventually see, like, so Cassian is with Melshi. Uh, mm-hmm. who was one of the prisoners on at his table. Yep. Um, do you know where Melshi's from? Um, don't we know? Don't we see him in Rogue One? We see him in Rogue One. Yeah. yeah. I think some people picked up, picked up on that, but yeah, he didn't. Melshi is in Rogue One. He's the one who saves Jin uh, ah. and breaks Jin out. Ironic. Mm-hmm. 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 Is that pretty mm-hmm. ironic now? Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> um, yeah. And he ends up being one of the leaders that's on Scarif. Yeah. So, yeah, we, he he sticks with Andor, so it's really poetic to see how they brought him back in. Anyway, um, where do you want to go next? Well, I think uh, a really important part of this episode is Luthen meeting yes. up with the double agent. Yes. Oh, well, real quick before we get there, I got to apologize. Yeah, we forgot Mom Mothma was in this, and that's because I talked about her whole part of this episode in the last episode. Mom yeah, the, the, it's it's the same arc. But they, they do kind of play together. Yeah, we're we're not yeah. going to perfectly execute just talking about the one episode at a time. And that's I know. okay because it, it's one story. But let's talk um, about Lonnie and Luthen. Yeah. Um, so we we find out that uh, there is a double agent who wants out. I guess you could say, and mm-hmm. meets up with Luthen in the most dramatic fashion that you could imagine, going up uh, some some creaky creepy elevator with some earpiece and whatever and they meet out on this on this uh on this bridge thing which is part of some industrial water treatment plant in the uk they really yeah a lot a lot of the structure that you see there is that's what it looks like it's not uh, it's been handrails too it Maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's some Hollywood magic in there. I'm sure. Yeah, but they got, um, they got rid of, they found a way to purposely get rid of the handrails because yeah. they're not allowed to be there. It just adds to the Star tension. Wars guys. Yep. Um, but the, the, that, that whole, that whole scene pretty much is, is some place in like the middle of England somewhere. So cool. Yeah. That said, they have this terrific kind of standoff. Luthen is kind of like, you know, we, we, we've talked about, his intentions largely are good. Like, I think he wants to see the galaxy go in the right direction, but his means are sometimes questionable. And 
he shows a bit of that here when he opens some of the conversation with Supervisor Lonnie from the ISB. Yep. And he congratulates him on having a daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's not that thinly veiled a threat. It It is kind of like, I've got my eye on you. I know what's going on. And I know that there's somebody now who's even more important to you. And I'm going to start the conversation that way. Yeah. And what did you want to talk about, Lonnie? And <laughs> um, th- this this is like one of the great monologues in all of Star Wars that we get from yes. Lisa. Don't you think? So fantastic. Just, yes. I've literally got it pulled up word for word if you want me to read it, because I might. <laughs> I, I would love good. you to. Yeah, yeah. I would love you. Yeah, th- th- this is going to... People will memorize this. People will memorize this and, and act it out when they audition for stuff. <laughs> yeah it's very shakespearean it's very so shakespeare it's so bill shakespeare um (laughs) but but just so delivered so perfectly by by a really talented actor like just completely crushes it um what what were some of your favorite bits from that skarsgård right yes um well all right so this whole entire leading up until the the big monologue in the speech um they're going back and forth about anto kriga um i think is how you pronounce his name um he is plotting some kind of uh well he's got information that eventually that started with bix that dedra got um uh, well i should say uh he got some information from bix about all the the um uh things that have been stolen the the equipment that have been stolen from the empire over the years mm. they used that to track down the ship that was uh working for anto kriga and that was going to kafreen which is that really cool looking planet in the asteroid it's not even planet it's just like that city in the asteroids yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that we get at the beginning of rogue run it was that um but so they learn about this plot of anto kriga to uh to go and attack spell house this area and uh you know, get some intelligence from it. And yeah, it's like, so the ISB has learned about this and they're covering up that they know about it so that it can still happen so that they can, you know, catch these rebels. And so Lonnie is coming to him like with all this information, Hey, my parting gift to you, because I also want out of this thing is this information. Don't send Anton Krieger there. And he's like, but I have to, because if, if I don't, they're going to know the ISB will know that, I've got an informant on the inside and it they'll eventually find out it's you, Lonnie. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. So he's painted this picture for Lonnie. Like you're not getting out. Yep. I'm not going to do that. I have to let them get slaughtered. Um, and it's not pretty. It's not good to say, I don't want it to happen, but it has to happen that way. Lonnie can't believe what he's hearing. And, and you know, when he basically says like, I want out and, and, uh, and, and, you know, Luthen tells him of all the sacrifices he's making. He's a great hero and things like that, trying to get him to stay. Lonnie pushes back. It's like, well, okay, well, what sacrifices are you making? Um, and this is where we get the, the monologue. Um, now, I won't read it word for word, but there are some things in it that are amazing. He talks mm-hmm. about, you know, sacrificing things like serenity, uh, kindness, and love. Um he talks about he basically gives his version of the I have a dream speech, mm-hmm. but it's it's much more different. Um, he talks about sharing his dreams with ghosts. Uh, he talks about um, everything like th- what he's done. He'll be damned for doing it is how he puts it um, that. And he says the point was like he 
he wanted to be a savior and eventually he looked down and realized in his attempts to become a savior that there's no more ground beneath his feet like in point point he's saying is like i've been t- swept up and taken away with with this desire that i'm not going to be the hero mm. um so his sacrifice ends up being and he kind of puts it uh and the best line i i took from it was um, I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you juxtapose this. So that's what he's sacrificing. He's sacrificing his decency, his his whole life, his his uh, values, so that he can accomplish his original design, which was to rid the world of the tyranny of the empire. Um, and he'll never get to reap the benefits of that. And you juxtapose that with what we just saw Ke- uh, Kino Lloyd with, do. With his sacrifice. And his sacrifice. The same yeah. exact thing, right? And basically will not see the his own sunrise, right? He, he literally got out of there to see the sun finally and realize I'm never going to be able to enjoy this, but hopefully they all can, all the people I helped save. Yeah. And so it literally is taking his speech right after you saw that exact thing play out in Kino Lloyd's leadership. Yeah. It's poetry. Yeah. It's 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 amazing, and this is this is why right now this is my favorite arc. Oh, just because of that uh, goosebumps, bro. Yeah, sorry, I monologued a monologue. No, that's okay. No, I I, I love that connection between Kino's sacrifice and the sacrifice that Luthen is living out, and just comparing the convictions of both of them, and just the deep commitments they have to the people, the cause, and so on. Um, again by osmosis these are the people who cassian is coming in contact with as he is becoming a true rebel and no longer maybe just another mercenary for hire a true rebel a true leader somebody with conviction and somebody willing to make sacrifice or the ultimate sacrifice um Again, you can kind of see the dots connecting as he is meeting and interacting and learning from all these people around him and seeing firsthand the sacrifices and the, the, the lengths they're willing to go to. So it's it's all poetically kind of like a big braid just kind of coming together in a really, really pretty way. Totally. Um, and another, one other thing that I just kind of realized, too, is that you know how he said he's been at this for 15 years. That basically means he's been at it ever since the word empire came out of the, the lips of. From from the beginning, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like that. that's literally as much time as he's been at this since the very beginning. So he was one of the first to realize this empire thing, no good. Me no want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I got to I got to rebel now. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway fantastic uh episode um and and arc um brilliant stuff words from you no i think i think ending with that monologue and connecting some of the dots there is perfect so yeah perhaps we can say uh our 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 fond adieu for the night but before we do um we'll be back with our coverage of the next two episodes the final two episodes of the Mm -hmm. the first season the um i think when tony gilroy first uh, expressed the arcs. He said that these two episodes are, the, are collectively the finale. So we'll be talking about the finale next time. Um, and then not too long after that, we're going to, we're going to come back and talk about the last Jedi. Cause it's been five Woo-hoo! years and it's time to open that can of worms. Yeah. So buckle up. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get, you we're going to get, wait. <laughs> uh, no, I'm excited. I love it. We're, we're going to get emails though. We're going to get 
We're going to yeah. get tweets and whatever. We um, might lose some listeners. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully no. we don't. Hopefully we have a good silver conversation about it, right? We will. We definitely will. Um, but we'll see what the interwebs has to say. Yes. Uh, because we are fans of Ryan Johnson and that film. And we know that people feel strongly the other way. But yeah. hey, there's room in the fandom for different opinions. That's stand by exactly that. right. And that's going to be part of what we talk about is like all the different opinions of it. Sure. How some of them might be fair and how some of them might be just like, you know, your taste and my tastes. And that's it. Right. And um, and yeah, and, and, and we'll we'll commit to continuing to make room for different types of opinions like that. But this just might be the first time we're talking about, I guess, what you could call a really divisive piece uh, of Star Wars media. It um, is. It feels like um, because. And in some ways, I'm like, gosh, it's only been five years. And in some other ways, I'm like, you know, five years is a long time to still be upset about a movie. But yeah. that's just my opinion. But we'll we'll be talking about that in December. Luckily, but, I don't think people are like upset. I don't get the sense that people are like upset about it as much as they were before. Like people aren't like, but there's still strong opinions. I, I've mentioned that's- before the only times where people have been like angry at the Star Bros podcast on social media. <laughs> has been when I have commented as a Star Wars podcast, something as simple as the last Jedi was great. <laughs> People are just like, where do you live? I'm going to come find you. And it's like, <laughs> let's, let's relax, bro. Yeah. Um, so some people, I think some people are still like day in and day out angry about it. Um, yeah. Well, we'll, let's, we'll save that for two episodes from now. We which, will uh, save that because look, we still have to talk about the finale of Andor and I'm do. pumped about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but hey, where where can people find us? Where where can people? Oh, you're get the one content? that covers that. All right, I let mean, me do that. At, at the <laughs> moment, you can find us on Twitter at Star Bros Podcast, right? Yep. yep. You can email us email us at the Star Bros Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do. can find us on Facebook. And if something happens with Twitter, you might be able to find us on a soon to be announced uh, social media channel as well. But in the yeah, meantime, and- those are the three avenues. Yes. And, and, um, I, I'm taking this from our buddy, uh, our, 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 uh, our friends, Keith and Kerwin, uh, the father and son podcast at the end of their episode, I think Keith did a really nice job and he said, and you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or get your podcast. He That's said something true. like that. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really good point that we always leave out because Hey, may, maybe you're watching on the Braxium channel. M- maybe you're listening as somebody else is driving the car or whatever. W- you can find us on, the Spotify, the Spotify, it's not the, the Spotify, Spotify. the <laughs> in quotes, <laughs> you can find us on Apple podcasts on wherever it's on like 20 different platforms. So it, it, whatever your favorite one is, we're probably there. Um, but yes, yeah. if you like it, leave a review. Our favorite is five stars, but you pick whatever you think makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh and yeah, please do reach out because we, we like we like getting emails and, and uh getting tagged and stuff and it's just you know, we geek out about this stuff too, so it's fun to to chat with you about it. Yes, yes. And thank you as always, listeners and, and everybody that uh is patient as we uh you know get over the the Rona thing yep. that exists and yes. come at you when we're we're healthy and, and ready to talk about uh star wars yeah um we'll, we'll come back at you very soon with the next uh next bit but thank you for always being there listening and for um supporting bro axiom and, and supporting us um it's uh it's just great to have you along for the ride and hope you enjoyed uh you know every minute of it so 
Uh, and happy that, Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving for all of our American friends. For the American for all of our Thanksgiving. Our non-American friends, happy Thanksgiving in the spirit of what we're saying when we say happy Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and we hope you have a wonderful, uh, a wonderful day, no matter what day it is. Yes. And with right. that, your turn. I think there's one more thing to say. This is your turn to say it. <laughs> Let me see. My my <laughs> voice is still a little bit scratchy. Oh, I shouldn't make you do this, but I'm it's gonna... okay. Don't worry, I'll handle it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Please I do. Got this one. By all means. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, there we go. I did get the right. Uh huh. I did get the right levels. Yeah. That was like Andy Circus level scaring me. <laughs> <clears throat> it's a wrap. Yes. <laughs>